So in preparing these thoughts, I've benefited from the wisdom of writers of the Oxford Annotated Bible, um, and also from talking with Chris and uh, the Jewish Bible, Jewish publication Bible. Um, I've really enjoyed the last month that we've spent uh, and the way that we've heard from each other as we engage with the holy writings from various parts of our library of libraries. Uh, but I have to admit, I was a little bit bummed to have Proverbs as our last scriptures. It's not a story. It's not the life of Jesus. Proverbs. Short sayings you might find on plaques and kitchens and on bumper stickers. Clearly, I think I know everything there is to know about wisdom. That might be a problem. It might be a good idea for me to step back from my proud and lofty ledge and sit down for some short lessons on what matters in life. Wisdom deals with daily experience and how to cope with it. Wisdom is the teaching of sages as a result of their dialogue with reality. Wisdom is not monolithic. That is, there's not just one kind of question that wisdom can explore. Consider Job and Ecclesiastes. Job asks, what does it mean to have faith in the middle of suffering? Ecclesiastes warns us against self-satisfaction and lifts up the mystery of God over life and death. There's even wisdom writings in the New Testament. James, for example, says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness and born of wisdom. Now, the Proverbs are rather more straightforward. They're memorable sayings about living well, living righteously, living justly, bumper stickers, plaques on kitchen walls. Proverbs are brief, salty sayings. They are short and crisp. And now I need to fetch my prop. Crisp, salty. You take a bite, there's a definite satisfying crunch, a definite perspective on life. To continue the food metaphor, Proverbs are not a complex sauce or a fine wine. There's no bouquet. You just take a crisp, crunchy bite, and you know you've taken in something good. Now, of course, life is more complex. Life cannot be summed up in 14 words on the pros and cons of what to say or do. Of course, proverbs are not inflexible codes of conduct. These complicated discussions of life 
can be sorted out when you have time in the kitchen to sort through recipes and make that amazing dish that is spicy and refreshing and creamy and tender. But sometimes you just need a cracker. Sometimes you just reach for the gorp. Sometimes we need to be reminded crisply and forcefully of the good path we should be walking. So, as you reflect on the Proverbs in chapter 10, I'm going to be holding this crispy thing for a long time. Uh, You might notice a few things. First, the Proverbs have patterns. There's a set of contrasts. X is good, but Y is bad. What if we left out these contrasts? What would it be like to read only the good part or only the bad part? Proverbs can be read as a description or as a prescription. What does it feel like to read these Proverbs just as describing the way things work in life? Do the suggested causes and effects completely explain life or give one key perspective? What does it feel like to read these Proverbs as commands, as something to do or not do? Third thing. I wonder what Jesus would think about the Proverbs. Jesus is both in sync with the wisdom that came before him, and he pointed new directions, saying things like, you've heard it said, but I tell you. What are the Proverbs of Jesus? Maybe the Beatitudes. How do they speak to the wisdom of the Proverbs of Solomon? And finally, fourth, because Lori told me, you have to talk about the winking eye. So this is where Chris and the the Jewish Bible notes were really helpful by pointing out that at that time and place of Proverbs, winking an eye or perhaps squinting were signs of dishonesty, if you know what I mean. The crispiness of Proverbs can be summed up simply as laying out a choice between life and death. And in fact, in the chapters before chapter 10, wisdom in chapter 8 says, whoever finds me finds life. All who hate me hate death. I might have written that wrong. Does that make sense? Um, It's in chapter 8 of of, uh, Proverbs. And this reminds me, actually, of of Sarah Augustine's call in uh, her book, The Land is Not Empty, that we've been reading in CE. She calls us to follow Jesus in dismantling the doctrine of discovery, standing with indigenous peoples, standing with um, the the, the way of uh, of, um, uh, creation. Uh, So just to read briefly one of these excerpts where she says this sort of thing. The nature of God, God's eternal nature and divine power is clear. Our instructions are clear. We must choose the systems of life over the systems of death. Defend the oppressed. And we need not be afraid. Despite the current political reality that surrounds us, we can't be deceived that we are somehow in a battle with those we perceive to be our enemies. There is only one side and that is the side of creation. There is only one reality, 
and it is defined by the principles of life. Imagine a movement or system that demands its adherents not breathe oxygen. A leader making this case need not be accused of being wrong or corrupt, but simply doomed. Their followers can't live for more than a few moments, not because of ideological notions or wickedness, but simply they do not comply with the simplest principle of life, of reality. Anything that runs counter to these principles is doomed to fail. We are made to do this. Instructions are in the very fabric of our DNA. We must choose life. The systems of death seem eternal and universal, but they are flimsy, hollow. They do not conform to the logic of life, and therefore they will pass away, as all things must that tend toward death. This is our choice, to cooperate with the systems of life and with the great animator, or to choose to support the systems of death. There is a hard cost associated with this choice. To choose life means giving up the financial return provided by the extractive industry, but the benefit is joining in the awesome project of creation together with the creator. So as we read together now and discuss, let's read and discuss like Anabaptists. We read in community. Our community is both right here and now, and it's with the voices that have come before us since ancient times. Our community centers the voices of those that have been marginalized. We read with Jesus at the center. What would Jesus say or have done with this scripture in Proverbs 10? And we read in the presence of the Holy Spirit, let us put love and grace over being right. Amen.